the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Uh, the title of the message this morning is Short-Term Thinking. We're going back to Chapter 3. There's an error on, uh, on the PowerPoint this morning. It's actually Philippians Chapter 3, verses 12 to 15. And the reason why I'm going back uh, to that is because it has a great deal of things that still needed to be explored. Uh, we're going to be focusing on uh, verse 13 in the text. So if you're taking notes or if you're reading your Bible, just, just underline uh, certain portions of verse 13 because that's what we're going to be uh, focusing on this morning. Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, and I want you to underline this, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. I barely turned um, 17 years old when I got my first job, okay, my first full-time job. And at that time, I thought I was getting paid an outrageous amount of money. I was getting paid $2 per hour. And I thought that was a lot of money for a 17-year-old kid at the time. You know, I had no obligations. I thought that was a lot of money. And uh, I couldn't wait till I see my first paycheck because I made some calculations and I'm expecting to receive um, a check for around $640 uh, per week, okay? That's what my expectations uh, were when it comes to my pay. And I'm already thinking about what I'm going uh, to do to better my life, okay? I, I plan to buy a car. And at that time, uh, you can buy a new car for $5,000. So I, I did some calculations. I, I, um, I multiplied $2 per hour times 8, 8 hours a day, and then multiplied it by 40. So I have $640 per week. And if I, uh, if I just wait eight weeks uh, or two months, I'd be able to raise around $5,000 to buy me that new car. And so I, I was anticipating that I'm, you know, that I'll be ready to get into that new car and, and I don't have to walk three and a half miles <laughs> to go to work every morning, especially uh, during winter, you know, it's very tough. And then I finally got my fir first uh, paycheck and I opened it and it's for a grand total of $380. It devastated me. And I looked and I double looked. It says 
dollars. You see, nobody told me about deductions. Nobody told me about the taxes. Nobody told me that I was not going to get everything that I worked for. So I got pretty upset because I looked at the, the paycheck and I realized that they uh, are taking away nearly half of my pay. Okay? <laughs> nearly half of my pay. And so that caught my attention. You know, when I saw that they, when I itemized all the things that they've deducted, I realized that I wasn't going to get uh, the $640 uh, that I was expecting. But that taught me a valuable lesson in my life. And that lesson is this. I can't focus on the net. I have to focus on the gross pay. Now, wait a minute, Pastor. Shouldn't, be, shouldn't it be the other way around? Not really. When it comes to the Christian life, it's the other way around. Some people say, well, you know, you got you to gotta have a realistic view of what you have. You know, you don't have $640. You only have $380. Therefore, you focus on what you have right there and don't focus on the ones that were taken away from you. But in the Christian life, the opposite is true, okay? We need to focus on the gross pay so to speak, okay? The main goal of the Christian life is to be in the presence of God one day. I, 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 I always say that, you know, uh, my preaching is characterized with that all throughout the years that I have talked in front of people with the scriptures. The gross pay is heaven. That's our focus. That's the main goal. That's the main goal of the Christian life. It's heaven. We need to focus on that. Don't expect heaven here on earth. Why? Because here on earth, there are deductions. Okay? There are deductions in the form of sin, suffering, trials of many kinds, calamities, injustices, name it. It's present right here on earth. So we're not to dwell on those things. If we're going to make it as followers of Jesus right here on earth, we have to have a short-term memory when it comes to those things. We need to look at the ultimate pay, the gross pay, so to speak, and that is to be in the presence of the Lord. If you focus on the net, you're going to be living a miserable life, even though you believe in God, even though you follow Jesus. If you're looking at the deductions, <laughs> so to speak, you're going to live a defeated, miserable life. So Scripture teaches us, through the words of the Apostle Paul this morning, to put a time limit on the issues of life. Got to have a short-term memory. You have to put a limit. We've got to learn to move forward not looking at the things that we go through right here on earth. Because the main focus that every Christian has is that one day we will enjoy the presence of the Lord forever. Scripture teaches us to move on. In fact, in fact if I'm going to put a, a subtitle to this sermon, I'm going to have to say, uh, move on, think short term, because eternity is far longer. You know, we're going to live 
eternity is far longer than the short term, short time that we, move, that we live and move in this earth. So the Bible teaches us that, that the ultimate goal in life is to be with the Lord. What's got you bogged down in life this morning? Is it some sin? Is it some trial? Is it some habit you can't overcome? What is it that's, that's, that's cutting the flow of eternal life? You see, eternal life happens the moment you come to faith in Jesus. It doesn't happen after we die. It happens right now. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. We can have a full life despite all of the deductions, all of the things that happen. Jesus promises that we are going to make it and we are going to make it in, not in a not in a. Uh, a hopeless state, not in a, a, a consistently, constantly bogged down state, but we can have fulfillment in life as we await that eternal presence of the Lord. Time is short. We've got to learn to move on. Notice that I didn't say life is short. I said time is short. God did not give us the privilege of knowing how long we're going to be able to live here on earth. But we will be held accountable for how we spent our time here on earth. The time that we have been allotted. Okay? I think it's an important Christian principle to think in those terms. Okay? The less you live, okay, the less accountability, so to speak. Right? But it's not an excuse to live out our lives, however long or short, uh, not to know. The gross pay, not to know the ultimate goal. There are people who did not live very long and yet have accomplished a great deal in their lives for the glory of God. And yet there are those who have lived to be in their 90s and hundreds and died with regret. Many scholars believe that the Apostle Paul died in his early 60s. Now that's pretty young, especially when you're looking at 60 right square on the face. All right? And yet he has accomplished much for God's glory. So the Holy Spirit through the scriptures teaches us to recognize that we need to have short-term memory. We need to develop the short-term thinking when it comes to the things that are bogging us down in life. So we can continue to move on and be effective followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's not waste our time here on earth dwelling on the adversities and the sins and the trials. They are real. They happen to the best of us. No one will be exempt from trials. No one will be exempt from trouble. No one will be exempt from temptations. All of us are going to go through that. Christians especially, because we have uh, uh, multiple enemies. We have the devil. We have the world. We have the flesh. We have all of those things that we're very much aware of in our lives, that we navigate through this life through the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can have that abundant life that Jesus had promised. We need to recognize that we need to move on and not waste any more time on those things. Time limit living means we focus on the gross value of life, striving to get over the deductions brought about by sins and our own personal failures. And don't we have them? Don't we all have them? So how do we do this? How do we move on? How do we develop this short-term thinking, so to speak? Now, Paul gives us in his very, very famous text, 
There's a lot of powerful verses in Philippians, but I want to go back and focus on this one because I think it's very important. It's very timely uh, that we focus on this. He gives us three powerful keys to help us move forward when things are bogging us down, okay? So if you're taking notes, you know, these are simple points. They're not overly complicated. They're not, you know, there's nothing to, to really think deeply about, but it's something that we need to kind of frame our minds, frame our journey in life as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Three keys to help us move on. Number one, let us use the scars of sin as reminders, not a resignation to those sins, okay? Scars of sin as reminders. We all fail. We all sin. The Bible says, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Not a single person in this room can claim to any kind of perfection. Although we always compare ourselves to other people, you know? I, I, I'm, I may have committed some sins, but they're not as bad as so-and-so. You know, I've never murdered a neighbor. I've never cheated on my taxes. I've never cheated on my wife. I've never done all of these things. But I can guarantee you, even if you had not done those, literally, you probably thought about it. So we may not act out on those things. But we certainly have thought about it. So, Paul gives us the first key to training our minds to move on. Use the scars of sins as reminders, not as a resignation to the sin. Look at verse 12 again. It says, not that I have already obtained all this, Paul writes, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. In the context of this, if you read the context of why Paul said this, he was reflecting on his own life. And before he met the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, he was saying, my whole life had been in pursuit of God. I had been zealous for God. I was uh, I, I, my job was to persecute Christians, those who follow Jesus. That had been my job. That had defined me. And I was doing it all for the glory of God. So I thought in my mind. I thought they were the enemies of God. But I didn't realize until I encountered Jesus on that road to Damascus that I was an enemy of God because I did not have that relationship with him. Then he finally realized, well, all of those things that I had done, they're, they're not only sinful, they're murderous. Not only were they personal wickedness, they harmed a lot of people. And then I met the Lord Jesus Christ. And now my whole life's goal is to make sure the, 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 the gross pay that I'm looking forward to he would say, is to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. He says, I'm focusing on the goal. I'm not there yet, but I'm pressing on. I have done so many bad things, many, many bad things, very bad things. And I can show you the scars of the things that I have done. Many think Paul got away with murder because God specially touched him and specially called him on that fateful day in Damascus when he was converted and followed Jesus. Uh, ma many thought that uh, uh, Paul got away with a whole bunch of things that he did in life, 
uh, before he became a Christian. No, not at all. Paul was forgiven just like any one of us will be forgiven if we confess our sin. We will be restored. But you know, the scars of sin will always be there. We will always see them. And those serves to remind us, not to condemn us. The Bible says in Romans chapter, there is now no condemnation. Condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This is a critical thing. This is very important. Because if we don't understand what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, we will live that life in condemnation. And you know what? We will not be able to move on because we're condemned. But, but Paul says, don't use those scars. Don't use those things as, a, as a, uh, a way to remind you of what, you know, of, of who you are, but what you were. Uh, don't be resigned to the fact that those things happened in your life and that, that, that they are sapping your, your, your spiritual energy. You got to press on. You got to move on. And Paul writes to, to the Philippians and he's saying, I had to be blinded on that road. I had to be blinded. When I met the Lord Jesus Christ, I had to be blinded first. And there's a reason why he was blinded. He had to stop looking at things the way they were. And you know what the Bible says? He, went, he was blinded by the Lord for one purpose alone. To show him how he must suffer for his name. How he must suffer for the name of the Lord. Paul says, I could easily allow my sin and my failures in the past to beat me down. I could have easily given up and resigned to the fact that God forgave me, but to be used of God, not a chance. The wounds and the scars of sins, whether you committed them or somebody committed them against you, makes a big difference. It holds you up. It holds me up. Failures, whether your own or others, bringing that in your life can affect you and I for the rest of our lives. That can cause you to give up, to give up on your relationship, to give up on your, 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 your goals in life, your ambitions, because you're just too scarred with what had happened in your life. Frustration will set in, and the next thing you know, that frustration has affected you and you can't advance the way God says you ought to. You know, I saw a commercial. Not, you probably saw this, a very popular commercial a few years back. It's about this guy uh, who got into a car accident. And as he was being reeled into the emergency room, he was thinking to himself, I wasn't speeding. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't violating any traffic laws. I wasn't driving erratically. I wasn't drunk. Why is this happening to me? And then there's a caption at the end of the commercial that says, what difference does it make? The fact of the matter is, you are on that stretcher on your way to the emergency room, and you could easily die. So it doesn't matter. Not that it's not important. Not that it's not, it didn't hurt us. Not that it didn't make a difference and set us back. But the Bible says, one thing I do, I forget past and I press on towards the goal. Paul says, I focus on what Christ has given me. I move on. I can't dwell on the scars. He says to Timothy this towards the end of his life uh, in, in scriptures. 
This is in Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. Paul writes, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight of faith. We always recite that. It's a good verse to recite. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul understood the gross pay. He understood the main goal in life. He said, I'm already being poured out. What was he talking about? Well, since I became a Christian, you know, I had to go through some very, very difficult things. I had to go through some very trying things. I had to go through some, some, some dark waters, some high cliffs that I had to climb. But you know what? I'm looking forward to that day when God is going to award me the crown of righteousness. It's interesting, you know, for a man who called himself the chief sinner, the sinner of sinners, his main goal was to be given the crown of righteousness. And that should be our goal as well. That should be the gross pay of our faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the gross value. That's the goal. All of us have been scarred of sin. Maybe some of you today, you're probably not even thinking about it, but there's some things that, that happened in the past or maybe a way of thinking that you have developed in your mind because of an influence that came somewhere else. And, you know, you can't figure out how, how, how can I get out of this rut? How can I get out of this situation? And you know what? You, you're going to have to have a short-term memory. You're going to have to say to yourself, okay, this has happened. It's done. Put it in the, under the blood of Jesus who washes away all of our sins. You know what we do sometimes? That's why we, we, we have a difficult time navigating through these things. We, we all look at our, our lives and we look at the, the things that we've done in the past and we say to God, God, I apologize for, <laughs> apologize for all of the things that I have done. Did you know that, there's, that, that it's not in the Bible, that God's not looking for an apology? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says don't apologize. The Bible says repent. Okay? There's a huge difference. Okay, because apology, I mean, the root word for apology is apologia, which means to defend yourself. That's what apology, apology is, all right? That's the root word anyway. So when you apologize, you're actually defending yourself against something or against another idea or, you know, you're defending your point of view. Uh, that's that's apologetics, <laughs> forget the word apologetics, defending what we believe or defending our point of view. But sometimes we use that word and we think that that means defending ourselves against the things that have happened to us, things that, that we say to ourselves, okay, well, the reason why I became like this was because of this incident. The reason why I committed adultery was because of this the reason why I had to do this thing is because somebody did this to me. 
And then we realize that it's not helping us. And then we, 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 after we defended ourselves, we say, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm really re- I really regret that that happened to me. Nothing of the sort. The Bible says, repent. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So don't, don't you know, don't think about just saying to God, you know, you understand, God. It's not my fault. Or it's my fault, but no buts in repentance. Repentance, word metanoia, turn it around. You can't let the scars of the past define where you're going. Use them as reminders. But don't be resigned to them. There's a second thing that we need to learn, second key to moving on, and that is we need to learn to undo the signs and resume the race. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 